It's your coach that knows who's the most, man. You back with another episode. This is episode 10, and all I do is win. We getting it in. Back with another episode to talk basketball, talk hoops with you guys. Got a lot of topics to cover this week. Got a lot of NBA, got some college. You know, we're going to talk about the NBA execs at Peach Jam. We're going to talk about Jawan Howard not going to the NBA. We got some high school team camps to talk about. Uh, Oak Park had a couple guys commit to some JUCOs. We got a bunch of NBA basketball to talk about again. I know NBA ain't your thing, but hey, I'm your coach, and it's your coach, and you know what we gonna do? We gonna talk hoops, baby. So, I mean, let's let's start it off the right way, and I want to start off with the Peach Jam. The Peach Jam announced that NBA executives can attend, and the NCAA is allowing NBA executives to attend Peach Jam, and that's a big deal. That is not a good deal for the NCAA, but it's huge for the NBA and it's G League because now instead of seeing one or two guys that's like Jalen uh, Green. Um, going to the G League and still being a top five pick, you're going to start seeing more guys like that. So instead of it being two, three, four guys, it's start going to be 10 or 15. And what's that going to do? That's really going to hurt the level of players at college, college basketball. And then on top of that, you got the overtime select elite uh, getting high school players as well. So a guy like Jaden Hardy is not in five years. Guys aren't even going to be the top guys are not even going to think about going to play in college. Which is kind of why, you know, Coach K kind of stepped away or he's going to take us last year and you'll see more follow. We talked about that last week. But what the NBA is really going to put their, their feet in the grassroots and the high school kids and the kids that really just don't want to go to college or the high-level players who only go to college for one year. They're not going to college for a degree. They won and they done. They just going to focus in on those guys. And if you take the one and dones, you take the top 20 players in the country who could potentially play in the NBA and you take them out of college, that's going to dilute your whole college basketball system. Then everybody's a mid-major. You don't have high majors anymore. You'll see a team like Butler and you'll be like, man, Butler used to be really good. And then now they're middle of the pack. And then all of a sudden, man, they back to being really good. And then you'll see a team like Ohio State, who's primarily pretty good in the Big Ten, and then they end up being just regular like everybody else because that's exactly what happens. If you take the top players that go to the Power Five schools and then you take those guys away, if you take the Power Five players from Alabama and you take and put them in the G League, which they probably would do well, man, Alabama is just a regular team in the SEC. You know, so you have parity across the board, but it hurts your brand. And unless you start paying players or develop a model where the college players can get paid, it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse for the NCAA and kids going to power five schools instead of getting paid. Why not? Why not make a six figure day in six to seven months? Then, you know, you got to get paid under the table by some coach who, you know, whatever is cutting deals and that sort of thing. Uh, but the NBA executives being at Peace Jam is a big deal, and it will have a huge effect on the NCAA, and we'll watch that going forward. Sorry, not sorry. I I I'm here to let you guys know and, and let all the NBA executives know, and not that I have incel insight. I mean, I might, but I don't, but I might. Uh, Jawan Howard's not going anywhere, okay? just So stop calling. 
He, he tried to apply for NBA jobs when he was an NBA assistant. And you didn't want to give him a head job then. Don't be trying to give him a head job now. We talked about it last week on why a high-level college coach shouldn't coach in the NBA and why they should not go. Jawan Howard is the prime example. Jawan Howard is making more money coaching at Michigan than maybe, I, wanna, I don't want to say half of the NBA, but a good portion of it. A good portion of the NBA, he's making more money coaching in college than he is coaching in the NBA. So why would Jawan Howard leave a great situation at Michigan to go and coach with the New Orleans Pelicans and try to figure out how to make the playoffs? Now, the thing about the Pelicans is you got two rising stars. You got Zion Williamson and you got Brandon Ingram. And then on top of that, you got Alonzo Ball. So you got some pieces there that you can actually build a future and kind of do what, what Phoenix has done in the last couple of years. I mean, just a couple of years ago, they only won 19 games. Insert Chris Paul, draft DeAndre Ayton, Booker gets better, and then boom, you're in a different situation. But don't forget about campaign. Don't forget about Cam Johnson. Don't forget about Jay Crowder. So they made moves and they drafted well. So over and they hired Monty Williams, which who was with New Orleans. So when you do the right things the right way, when you draft the right players and you sign the right players, a lot can happen in a short period of time. So don't let me say that some of these bad NBA jobs can't get turned around quickly. The Boston Celtics can't get turned around very quickly. You got a huge asset in Kimball Walker who doesn't fit with Brown and Tatum. He don't fit. So you got to get some assets for him. And you can. It's just not a good fit for Kimball Walker in Boston. But what I'm here to tell you is this. Jawan Howard is not going to coach in the NBA anytime soon. He's got the number one recruiting class coming in. He's fresh off of an Elite Eight appearance. He has no reason to go to the NBA. Now he tried to. He showed y'all what, what, uh, what Jawan Howard is doing. It's like, I showed y'all I could coach at a very high level, and you didn't want to hire me. So you know what? I'm going to get paid out the wazoo. Here at Michigan, I'm going to get my teammates' jerseys back up in the rafters, and I'm going to develop a dynasty here, and I ain't leaving no time soon. If Izzo can coach at Michigan State for 20 years and make 3 to $4 million a year, why not me? Why can't I do the exact same thing? Now, Penny Hardaway, I can see Penny Hardaway making the jump. He did his deed. He went to Memphis, turned the program around. Well, not really turned around. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do, uh, but he didn't turn Memphis into a powerhouse. He would need another four or five years to do so. Now, if James Wiseman plays, we're talking a different Memphis uh, team two years ago. So don't, don't get it twisted. James Wiseman plays two years ago. They in a tournament and they make a run. But I can see Penny Hardaway making the jump. But these college coaches, they ain't thinking about the NBA if they're getting paid. Jawan Howard's getting paid. So stop calling. He's not going to the NBA. Stop making it a thing. It's not a thing. Jawan Howard is in Michigan and will stay there for a while. Book that. Now, going forward, I'm going to get to some NBA stuff later on. Uh, I want to talk about some high school team camps. And this is the time for team camps. My team competed in the team camp this past weekend. We went to Albion College, and I was really impressed with the facilities at Albion College. So some of these small colleges, in case you didn't know, and a lot of people do, some people don't. Sometimes these smaller colleges, they have really great facilities. I mean, uh, just the deli. The, de the food was good. The cooks were polite. They made sure you ate well. Uh, the facility was good, even though they didn't have a whole lot of air. And I get that because that's a huge bill that you got a foot. Uh, but everything is right there. Uh, they had great facilities. The staff was great. They watched all the games. And I was really impressed with Albion. I've been to Albion before. I've sent players to Albion before. 
and high school coaches, don't be afraid to send your players to small colleges. Okay, you're gonna get one D1 maybe every three or four years. If you're blessed enough, you might get one every year. But even the best coaches don't get a D1 player every single year. Now, you can have small level coaches or small level players every single year. Me, I was fortunate enough. That was my measuring stick as a high school coach. That's my measuring stick. I used to have a college level player on my roster every single year. So when I was a head coach at Renaissance, every year somebody went somewhere, whether it was NAIA, Division Three, Division Two, and in some cases, Division One. I'm sending you to school, first of all. And second of all, I, me as a coach, if I have you for three years and you're not a better player, shame on me. If I have you for four years and you're not a better player, shame on me. If I have you for two years and you're not a better player, shame on me. So that's my measuring stick. And what I'm here to tell you is some of these smaller colleges are very good options for student athletes to play athletics, to get a good degree, and to have a good lifestyle. I mean, the coach that our head coach, uh, Duran Shepard at Oak Park, he was an All-American at Albion. You know, Mike Thomas was one of the all-time best players at Albion, and he's coaching um, at Grand Blank now, just won a state championship. Uh, Rick Palmer, Rick Palmer's a high-level coach uh, for, for Brother Rice. He played at Albion. So, I mean, Albion is known for having high-level coaches come out of their program. So, you know, it's, it's a good situation. Coaches, I'm telling you, open up your ears and your, your uh, antennas to the small colleges. It's a good idea. So some good, other than Albion, uh, some other small college team camps that happened over the weekend that was really good. Concordia. Concordia women's had uh, a team camp, and it was loaded. You had Renaissance there. Um, you had a, a Grass Lake was there. You had a, other, a bunch of high-level girls teams competing at Concordia. And, and it's another situation. It's in Ann Arbor. It's a smaller school in AIA. Open yourself up to it, man. Great, great campus. Nice facilities. Um, and the team camp was on point. And uh, shout out to Keith Wade. Keith Wade kept us with the updates uh, for that team camp. And going forward, if you want information or you want updates on girls playing at team camps, apparently he's going to them. So hit up Coach Wade on Twitter if you want some information about women's team camps. Central Michigan. Central Michigan, even though they just got a staff a couple weeks ago, they were able to put together a high-level team camp that had a lot of players in it. Uh, from what I was told, I mean, some of the academy came up there and tore it out, and they did so well that they had to. They had to. They had no Orlando choice. He was one. killing everybody in the gym, and that's what you're supposed to do when you go to these team camps and you go to these elite camps, uh, coaches and players. This is where you put your team on the map. This is where you put yourself on the map. If you want that offer, go up there and kill everybody. That's how you get it. Like, be the best player in the gym. You want an offer from whatever school you go to their elite camp, you kill everybody in the gym. If you don't get an offer, you'll at least get a, a, an opportunity to talk to head coach in his office upstairs, at the very least. And even that, it's like, okay, now when July hits, that's going to be the first person I go see. So when you go to these camps, teams, high school coaches, and you show out, like we went to Albion, we went, what, 8-0 or something like that. So all those teams that we beat, they going back and like, man, Oak Park is going to be good. I'm, I'm not I'm not used to that, but we played Oak Park, and they beat us by 20, or they beat us by 15, and they got three freshmen that's really, ooh, did I just give y'all a scouting report? I did. We like that. But anyway, sometimes you just got to, you know, and shout out to Coach, uh, the head coach that's at Marshall High School. We played them. They got a really good team. He said, Coach, man, enjoy your podcast.
I, I had a mask on. I didn't even know who he knew who I was, but I mean, you could tell by my voice. I mean, if you really listen to the podcast, you know where I coach and we get it in. So I really appreciate that, man. So shout out to the listeners. Uh, when you come up to me and you see me in the streets and the hallways at the team camps in the gym, make sure, Coach Cam, love the podcast, keep doing it. Because all I need is one person to tell me, hey, man, when the podcast coming? All I need is one. And as soon as I get one, I'm like, okay, let me put my information together. Let me put it out for the people. Because all I need is one. My audience is for you. So here you go. But go to these camps and show out. If you want to do well, if you want interest, if you want coaches to, if you want coaches to look at your players, win all your games. If you don't want coaches to recruit your players, lose them. They won't be following you during the year. They just won't. Unless you're just missing a bunch of players. And we play without our best player. And that was even turning heads like, man, your best player in here, y'all doing this? Yeah. Yup, it's like that. But we're gonna get a better test uh, coming up this weekend, going at the, the B Camp team camp. And we're gonna talk about that here in a second. But Albion, go back to Albion a little bit. The team camp was really good. Had some great competition there. Uh, two players that really stood out for me. And Xander Middleton. Xander Middleton, uh, he plays at Marshall High School. Uh, Monroe, I'm sorry. Not Marshall, Monroe. Plays at Monroe High School. Very good player. He also plays for Base Fundamental Red. And if you've listened to this podcast before, Jawan Maxey is also on that team. That team is pretty good. That team, you're going to be able to uh, keep track on them come July because in two weeks, we ain't going to be talking about high school team camps anymore. We're going to be talking about AAU and who to watch going on the circuit. Make sure you go watch Base Fundamental Red. There's a player. He's a, I think he's a college, small college player. D2, D3, NAIA. Not to say he's not D1. Uh, but he's going to have to get in the lab a little bit, get a little bit stronger. Uh, but he could definitely play in the MAC. He, I mean, not in the MAC. He can definitely play in the GLIAC. Definitely, for sure, play in the GLIAC. I know a lot of players just like him. I mean, a 6'4", 6'5", guard, lanky, can shoot it, put it on the floor a little bit. I was really impressed with Alexander Middleton from Monroe High School. Really impressed with him. And another player you want to have on your radar. And you're probably going to say Coach Cam. You coach there. You got a little bit more information than most. But why would I use my platform and not promote my program and our players? Right? Daryl Blackman, 22, Oak Park, about 6'5". If, if he's not one of the bounciest players in the state, I, mean, I don't know who is. Does he have a jump shot? No. That's up to me to help. And we've been working on that, and it's getting there. But some guys, just the jumper is not going to look at Giannis. Giannis can barely make a three, but guess what? He's still getting to the rim. He's still getting 30. So even without making a three or making one or two, Giannis can still get 30. Now, he ain't Giannis. What I'm saying, he's very athletic. He's very bouncy. Gets rebounds. He get, he's getting three or four blocks a game. Daryl Blackman, if I'm, in, if I'm in the GLIAC, if I'm at a D3, depending on how his grades are, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I need to know where Oak Park is going to be at. I, I need to know what court y'all on at Grand Valley. We're in the rec center, by the way, in case you're wondering. We're in the rec center, court one, and we're going to go over the schedule here in a little bit. But Daryl Blackman, man, I'm telling you, he's getting 15 to 20, seven, eight rebounds, three, four. Just come see Oak Park and you tell me. You tell me. That guy right there, number 22, tell me what you think. And if you don't think he ain't one of the bounciest guys around, I don't know what to tell you. And if we throw the alley, you play because it's coming. Don't jump. I'll tell you right now, don't jump because you might get banged on. Uh, but he played very well at Albion. Every game, he got better. First game, made a couple plays. And then the second game, he dominated. Third game, he dominated. Fourth game, he dominated. I mean, I thought if, if 
If I'm just looking as a spectator and I try to give you guys a very honest opinion, he was the best player there. He was the best player there. Um, so you got the beat cam team camp coming up. And the thing about beat cam is this. We talked about it briefly a couple weeks ago. I'm glad beat cam is finally offering something to, for their members that they can hold on to, that they can say, I'm a member of beat cam and I'm getting more than just a vote. For Mr. Basketball, I get the opportunity to play in a team camp. And some of the teams that are going to play in at this team camp are really good. But I've already told you who's going to be there. I want to talk about some of the matchups. So if you own the main court, that means that means you're a high level player, high level team. So in the arena, you got four courts in the arena. I'm sorry, you got three courts in the arena. That's how Grand Valley is set up. So you got three main courts and then you got the you got two on the side. And you got the main court where all the top players are playing. So, like, you start off the day and then you get Grand Rapids, Catholic Central, and Brother Rice. First game of the day, 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. First thing smoking, game one. Then after that, you get Grand Rapids Northview and Summit Academy. Oh, well, who does Summit Academy have? They have Orlando Lovejoy. Who does Northview have? They've got of Kyler Vanderjack. So, you get to see a matchup of two really good guards. And then, man, coming right back after that, you get to see Caden Brown and Grand Rapids Catholic Central and, and Jack Karanaski, Karanaski, or I don't know how you say his name, Big Jack. Big Jack. Big Jack gets it done. You get to see them play against Orchard Lake St. Mary's. So it's like, okay, now it's time. We, try, we ready to rumble. I mean, you got Clarkson on court one. Uh, you got King on court one. Grand Blank, De La Salle, UAD, Flint Beecher, Ferndale, I mean, if you're if you're a Division One coach, I'm gonna save you some time. If you are a Division One coach and you're going to this event, go to the arena. Just go to the arena because you're gonna get to see Cast Tech. You're gonna get to see uh, Ferndale, Clarkston, wh whoever you're trying to see. De La Salle, you're gonna see the best players in the main gym. But I'm gonna tell you like this: <laughs> you go to the rec center, you're gonna see some players there too. Because uh, I'm gonna tell you a really good game that's gonna be played in the rec. Um, Oak Park and Detroit Renaissance. Oak Park and Detroit Renaissance. That game is at, I got the schedule right in front of me. I am uh, apologize for the pause. That game is at 235. And I'm going to tell you right now. I know there's going to be a lot of teams and a lot of games going on at this camp. This Detroit Renaissance Oak Park game on court three in the rec. It might be one of the best. It's going to probably be one of the better games in the rec center. I'm just going to tell you right now. You're going to have at least... Four or five high-level freshmen, 2025. So when I make my 2025 watch list and you see Detroit Renaissance on there three times, you see Landstone on there, right? And you see the couple guys from Oak Park going there because we got a really couple really good freshmen. I'm telling you, it's gonna, if you're looking at young players, if if you want to know who the best freshmen are in the state, in this game right here, you'll have at least three or four. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. You'll have at least three or four impact freshmen in this game. You'll be like, man. Like both those 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 guys are freshmen. Like yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's gonna be an entertaining game of the day. Uh, King, they've got a couple good matchups. So I mean, it's gonna be a very interesting event. Um, I liked it better when it only had thirty-seven teams. They've opened it up to forty-seven. So you let some of these, I won't say lower level, but teams that huh, probably shouldn't be there. Now they get a game or two, kind of waters down the event. But it's gonna be a high-level event. And hopefully next year, maybe you have two days. Because I would like to see this same setup for the girls. I really would. 
I, I would love to see this set up for the girls. So hopefully next year, one weekend is dedicated to boys. The next weekend is dedicated to girls. And because the class of 24 got girls galore. I mean, I'm telling you, if I was a women's college basketball coach, I would be living in Michigan because it's girls galore. Girls at West Bloomfield, Renaissance, uh, Ann Arbor Prep. Uh, the list goes on, man. I can name you a bunch of girls in the 24 class. Grass Lake. I mean, they can really play. And I like to put them all in one gym and, and make it the top 24 teams uh, for girls and have them battle it out, man. Byron Sims, put, put them in there. Uh, all the top girl teams, and it will be loaded. I, I mean, that's just, I, I would love to see it on the girls' end. Hope we get it. Now, I wanted to talk about two of our players at Oak Park. Like, man, you're talking a lot about Oak Park this episode, Coach Cam, and I'm supposed to. When, when you have your own platform, when you, when you develop your own recruiting um, website and things of that sort, you have to talk about uh, the things that you're connected with, the things that you're uh, promoting and attached to. I coach at Oak Park High School. We've got two kids that committed to play junior college. So one kid, Sean Brown, he commits to go to Macomb. We got another kid, uh, Duran Roseboro Murray, who commits to Wayne County Community College. And this is why this is a big deal. Because these are kids that had nothing. Okay, we got the job a year ago. We got the job a year ago. Nobody knew who Sean Brown was. Nobody, and, and no disrespect. I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any player or coach prior to when we got there. But I'm going to tell you like this, for two guys who had nothing going on, that they had nothing, nobody knew who they were, to go from that to have coaches come in our gym for our open gym and come look at our 21 kids, that means we did something. I don't know if it was great. I don't know if we did well, but we did good enough to have coaches in our gym recruiting our players. And that's what I mean about every year we should have college level players. Now, normally, I wouldn't connect junior college in this group, but... In this sense, in this year, going junior college is a huge, it's a huge advantage to somebody that ain't got nothing. It's a huge advantage. Now, it'd be different if you're picking to go JUCO over some D1s and D2s, and you got great issues, and you're not a great person, and that kind of stuff. I get that. But if you got nothing, and then in a year, you got some coach that coaches some team to say, you know what, I need you on my roster, and it just happens to be a junior college, cool. Because guess what? Guys get drafted from JUCOs, too. Guys go D1 from JUCOs too. Guys go D2 from JUCOs too. Trust me, they recruit it all. So even after next year, and there's the reason why I'm telling you it was a great route, because next year, those seniors on those college teams can't come back. They're not getting no extra year next year. So they're going to have to recruit JUCOs. They're going to have to recruit some transfers. They're going to have to recruit guys out of high school. And trust me, it's an option. They will recruit you. If you're good enough and you get it done, some college will recruit you. Now the, th now, the case is, if you do go JUCO, you got to do your thing because you already, you know, have that stigma on it like, ah, he's a JUCO, JUCO player. But so what? Go JUCO and turn it out. Um, so we had two guys that to do that, we've got more coming. And, you know, Keon Henderson will probably commit somewhere else too. Michael Prep, not sure what he's going to do. But I'm telling you right now, if you have any opportunity to play after high school, that's a big deal. And I know they give you the numbers, 20%, 10%, 3%. I don't go by those numbers. The numbers I go by, if you spend time around me in any kind of program I'm with, and you put in the work, and you get the grades, I'm going to get you in school. Those are my stats. And I got the numbers to back it up. There has not been a year that I've been coaching, not a single year, and I've been coaching since 2004, 
there isn't a single year where I didn't have a college-level player on my roster. Not a single year. Not one. Whether it's JUCO, you know the levels. Not one. So, like I said, if anybody can back it up, I can back it up. So let's keep talking about college here. Let, let's stay here in this space. Jason Drake plays at Ferndale, gets an offer from Western Michigan. And when I first saw the offer, I kind of thought Western Michigan was a little bit late. I think Jason, Jason Drake is a great guard out of Ferndale, one of the better 22s in the class. I think if you're in the MAC and you're not recruiting Jason Drake, I don't know what to tell you because I think he's Dayton good. I think he's Rhode Island good. I think he's A-10 good. I think he could be at a mid-major plus easily because he has a smooth handle. He's got range on his jump shot and he, he's got a bigger body. He's not a little guard. Even though he's like 6'2", 6'1", he's not a little guard. He got, he got some oomph on his frame, right? And if you, ain't, if you don't come correct defensively, he's going to make you pay. But when I saw the offer from Western Michigan and the Broncos, I was thinking to myself, man, that actually makes a lot of sense because in the Metro Detroit area, they've been really good with guards from Metro Detroit. Let's just think about it. Demetrius Ward went to Detroit Persian. He had a thousand point career at Western Michigan. Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas went to Detroit Finney. He's their all time assist leader and he's now helping out in the community, uh, working out guys. And helping a lot of programs and a lot of guards in the city. So shout out to Mike Douglas, man. A really great point guard from Finney. And he's doing, I love guys to come back and give back to the city. But uh, not just him, Mike Flowers. Mike Flowers scored 1,700 points. He went to Western Michigan for two years. Josh Davis from Henry Ford. He was a good player from the Metro Detroit area that played at Western Michigan. So what I'm thinking is it's like, wow. If I'm at Western Michigan, why am I not all over the Metro Detroit area? There are plenty of guards in the Metro Detroit area that can play in the MAC. Jason Drake ain't the only one. Orlando Lovejoy should have a Western offer. I'm just telling you, not, not, it's not just Drake. There are a lot of guards in the Metro Detroit area that should have MAC offers, particularly from Western Michigan. So hopefully they're not just doing it just because, ah, we like Coach Wine, we like Ferndale. Okay, let's offer Jason Drake. I hope they just not just throwing him a bone because some coaches do that. Jason Drake is a really great guard. Uh, and just look at just guards from Michigan. Look, David Cool was one of the best players ever from Western Michigan. He's from Michigan. Sadi Washington is all over the record books at Western Michigan. And y'all got the nerve to recruit somebody from Florida. That's the kind of stuff that I just don't understand. Like, how do you have a guy on your roster from Florida and the best players in your program's history is from Michigan? But I ain't going to go on a tangent. I'm going to save my Joe Button rant for later in another episode. Not today. I'm in a good mood. Man. I ain't going to hit Joe with a rant this time. Uh, so let's, we stay in old college. Uh, like to see Maurice Jones. Maurice Jones got added to the coaching staff at Northwood. And like I tweeted out, you're not going to find a better guard to work with guards. I had the pleasure of watching Maurice work with our guards when I was working at that one school this one time. We had a guard named Mike Wells. He was all league. And he wasn't all league his junior year, but he was all league his senior year. You want to know why? He got in the lab with Maurice Jones. Maurice Jones is a little guard. So he was able to tell and give Mike some things that... You know, probably some other people didn't. And like I said before, the best players learn from guys that played the game. So Maurice Jones can go up there. He going to kill it because not only did he play the game, he still plays the game now at a very high level. He's lucky to be on somebody's coaching staff because he easily could get paid to play. And he was. He was playing professionally. He was playing in Canada. 
and he was going back and forth, and now he's back home, and now he's at Northwood. So shout out to uh, to Mojo. Uh, he's gonna do he's gonna do work at Northwood. I'm telling you right now, if you got a garden in the Saginaw area, if you if you I'm, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of game right now. If you're in the Saginaw Flint area, there are two guys you need to go see for your skill development. You need to go see Maurice Jones, and you need to go see Tory Jackson. If you're not working out with one of those two guys, I, I tried to told you. I tried to told you if you're not working with one of those two guys in the Saginaw Flint area, particularly Saginaw. Those are two of the best guards to ever, ever come out of Saginaw. Now, are they just as good as Mark Macon and them guys? Yes. Yes. I'm putting it on record. Tory Jackson and Maurice Jones Cooper was just as good as Mark Macon and all them other guards that came out of Saginaw. Now, Mark Macon is the exception. He's the, you know, the end all be all. But I'm telling you right now. The two guys I talked about was right there. I saw with my own two eyes, Tory Jackson get a quadruple double. You heard it, quadruple double. Now, the team wasn't very good, but to get 10 of four things, to have 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 steals, and 10 assists, like that's not an easy thing to do. And he did it, and I saw it with my own two eyes, and I was like, damn, my man is a killer. So, but he started his uh, development program and like to see guys, the younger guys, giving back to the game, man. I love to see it. Shout out to Damon Bozeman, who started out his training academy recently in the last couple of weeks, and he played the game at a high level. So here's the thing. If you're looking for a skills trainer, if you're looking for someone to help your game out, either get a high-level coach or a high-level player. That's where you start. Start with a high-level coach. Even Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas has been training guys in the city. Like I said, he's Western Michigan's all-time assist leader. You think he can't teach somebody how to be a point guard? I think he can. So if you're looking for a skills trainer, look for a high-level player or a high-level coach like myself. So just wanted to give some guys some shouts out. Um, not particularly younger guys, but guys that have been in the game and gave a lot back to the game. And now they're giving back by, you know, coaching and starting training academies and skill sessions. And I love to see it, man. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most, man. You know we're going to talk hoops. You know what time it is, man. It's the NBA playoff time. And there are a lot of headlines going along in the NBA today. So we can talk about playoffs. If you don't want to hear me talk about the playoffs and the NBA, this is where I say Arrivederci, holla at your player. I'm going to holla at y'all next episode. But if you want to hear about me talk about the NBA, and I'm not going to give you no, no fan do parlays, even though I hit one this week. I ain't going to give you that. But I'm going to tell you like this. I owe Chris Paul an apology. I owe Chris Paul an apology to point God. I owe him an apology because there are times on this podcast and I say, I'm real. I'm a real coach. I'm a real person. I'm not afraid to say that I made a mistake. I'm not afraid to say if I say somebody can't play and then all of a sudden they get better and they can. I'm not afraid to say, you know what? My bad. I was wrong. I was wrong with him. And I'm not afraid to say that some coaches will, will stick to their guns or some people will just stick to their guns to forever. Like with the whole KD thing. And we're going to talk about KD dropping 50 or 49 or whatever you want to call it. There are a lot of people like, oh, it's all on KD now. He'll see if he could be the best player in the world. And uh, shut up. 50 ball, triple double. Now what you got to say? You're going to come back and say he ain't the greatest? And they'll just say, oh, no. He still had James Harden play. And he had Jeff Green that had 27. It's like my man had 49, 17, and 10. And then now you're going to try to downplay that. But that's we're going to talk about KD a little bit later. I owe Chris Paul no apology because there were times where I called him a talented loser, a guy that just couldn't win at the high level. 
against Houston, turns his ankle, they lose the series. But quiet is kept. If he don't turn his ankle, they might win it all. Not only do they win, beat the Warriors, they for sure beat the Cavs. Like, they win in that. They win the NBA championship if he doesn't turn his ankle in Houston. So, and you think about Chris Paul, he's in the playoffs all the time. He ain't never, there, have, there haven't been too many playoffs without a Chris Paul, at least in the first round, even when he was in New Orleans. Now, he had to go through the San Antonio Spurs, but guess what? They still won a game or two. Him and Tyson Chandler, they went up against Tim Duncan like, yeah, you know, we might be young, but we right here with you. Um, but Chris Paul is a, a, a high-level guard, one of the greatest point guards ever. Will I say he's top five? I got to look at my list. I got to look at my list. I can't make him talk. I can't, I can't go from talent to loser to top five ever. I'm not doing that. Top 10 or top 15, I could give him that. But the one thing that I will say, he's not only is he playing at a high level, he's getting more out of his teammates than most other point guards could. You're seeing the evolution of Devin Booker. We're watching it right in front of our eyes, the evolution of a superstar. In order to be superstar status, you got to have somebody to play with you to get you there. So Scottie Pippen talking about Michael Jordan this week and how Mike wouldn't have won those six wings without Scottie. He's 100% right. He ain't. To be at an elite level, you need somebody to get you there. You need some help. You need some shoulders to stand on. You need somebody to give you the ball. You need somebody to rebound, somebody to fend, somebody to say, hey, man, you bullshitting. You going to need those type of people. And for Devin Booker, Chris Paul is that person. But it's not just Devin Booker. Cam Johnson playing at a high level. Uh, Campaign is playing pretty well. Jake Crowder is playing pretty well. He's getting to his mid-range like it's no, nobody's business. He went crazy against the Nuggets. He went crazy against Denver. And it, it boggles my mind that at no point did the Nuggets try any kind of different ball screen coverage in the middle ball screen. He just snaked it, got to the right elbow, pull up, bang. I, he did it four possessions in a row. Middle ball screen, snake it, get to the right elbow, bang. Middle ball screen, snake it, get to the right elbow, bang. And I'm watching the game. I'm like, that's three possessions. They not going to switch. They not going to trap it. They not going to duck. Like, you're just going to keep letting them come off the ball screen, clean, get to the right elbow, and put. he did it four possessions in a row. And he had 37 points against Denver. And it's just like, come on, man, what you doing? So I owe Chris Paul an apology. Chris Paul is no longer labeled for me. He's no longer labeled a talented loser, especially if he gets it done with the Suns. Now, a report comes out today as I'm recording this. Chris Paul got COVID. And he's out indefinitely. So what does that mean for the Phoenix Suns? What does that mean for them going forward? Because without Chris Paul, they don't win that series. Without Chris Paul, they ain't in the playoffs. What does that mean? I'm going to talk about it here in, in a few. Uh, but Chris Paul getting COVID is a game changer for the Phoenix Suns. But you know what? Injuries. You got to be lucky to win the NBA championship. It's not easy. All those people that think that a Super Bowl is easier or harder to win an NBA title, I'm going to go with the NBA title because you got to win 16 games after you didn't play the full 82 games. You got to win 16. That don't mean you playing 16. Some of them series might go six or seven, so you might play an extra 20 games, 20, 22 games to win an NBA championship. You got to win 16 of them. That's not an easy thing to do. So in a few, we're going to talk about Phoenix and what that does for their, their title hopes, but 
the Phoenix Suns, like I said, oh, Chris Paul, an apology. I'm sorry. You're not a talented loser. You're one of the best point guards we've seen. I'm sorry. You're one of the best point guards in the NBA. I'm sorry. You are. You earned it. I saw him on two eyes, and he got it done. He got it done, and, and he deserves all the accolation and praise. How does the NBA MVP get swept? He gets swept. The Denver Nuggets and Joker and Jokic, they don't win a game, man. What's up with that? What's up with that? My man, he slaps the slaps a campaign in the face. He gets tossed out of the game. Like, this is your NBA MVP? This is what we doing? Like, I understand Michael Porter Jr. didn't have it going. I don't know if he had back problems like Scottie Pippen. I'm not sure. But he was not sharp in this series. But he's also 21 years old. So he's never played on a stage like this before. To play in the Western Conference semifinals is a pretty big stage to play on. And he's never played on that stage before. And them lights got bright. And them open threes is going clank. Them dunks that he, he's normally getting, he's getting fouled, thrown to the ground. Michael Porter Jr. struggled in this series. And as a young player, you got to struggle in order to get better. There was a point in time where Tatum struggled earlier in his career. Devin Booker, he struggled early in his career. So you got to learn from those moments in order to get to an elite level. And Michael Porter Jr., who, had, who is an elite level talent, Let's, let's, let's be clear. Michael Porter Jr. is elite level talent, but he was awful. He was god awful in this series. Man, I was so mad I put him on my uh, parlay. Goodness gracious, you can't get 15 points? What are you doing? Like, come on, man. But it showed you how much they missed Jamal Murray. The different Nuggets struggling and getting swept showed you Jamal Murray's value. So if his contract was up for a renegotiation, We'll say, look what, look what happened when I'm not even nowhere close to the lineup. You can't beat the Suns. You can't even win a game. You can't even be competitive. Because with a, with a healthy Jamal Murray, I think he could guard Chris Paul on some of those screens. I'm pretty sure Jamal Murray is not letting Chris Paul get to the right elbow every single possession. He not letting it happen. I don't care if he got some help. I don't care. You go small lineup or something. I was looking for them to make some type of adjustment, and they never did. Um, th that was the worst ball screen coverage I've ever seen. I, I mean, you're just going to continue to let the guy get to his spot and make a shot every single time, and you don't make an adjustment. So you look at the Denver Nuggets, and they and their coaching staff, and what's it, uh, Mike, uh, I don't know, Mike Murray, or f I forget his name. That's when people start thinking about making coaching changes. Man, you know what would be really good in Denver? Chauncey Billups. Oh, Chauncey Billups would be really good in Denver or Boston. But I, I, th I think something else is going to happen with Boston. But Chauncey Billups played there. He knows the culture. He knows the team. He knows things that other people wouldn't know. Like, look, man, like the Evelation playing at that, that high air. Like, it's different, man. It's different playing in Denver, man, than it is playing anywhere else. Chauncey Billups did that. So if you start looking at a coaching change, because it's obvious that they got the players, you got the NBA MVP, and you can't win the game? I don't know about that. Chauncey, I think he would do well in Denver. So you have a lot of impacts to this NBA playoffs. Injuries is one of them. So Donovan Mitchell twists his ankle in game four. And it's like, and he was cooking like hot grease on a Sunday morning church. Holy man. He was cooking 40, 50, 45, seven threes, eight threes, nine threes, 30 in the first. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been going crazy. Then he turns his ankle. And then they lose game four. 
And then now they tie the series up. So now you're looking at Utah and the Clippers like, I don't know how the series is going to be impacted by that. It's 2-2. So anything can happen. And then in game four, bang, Kawhi goes down with a knee injury. And it just comes across the ticker that it might be ACL related. So now the Clippers got to play without Kawhi Leonard. And the Jazz got to play with a hobble Donovan Mitchell. So now it impacts the series. It's 2-2. Who's going to win the series? Who has the most depth? Now, you look at the Clippers, and the Clippers are playing like the team that everybody says should be able to win the NBA title when Kawhi Leonard went there from the Raptors. Like, man, they got Paul George, they got Kawhi, they got Pat Bev. Man, they should win it all. Well, Kawhi goes down. So that means that's a heavier load for PG-13. He's been playing well. But you know playoff P is coming. Playoff P is coming. I don't know what game, game six, game seven, Playoff P is coming, and he's going to drop a dud. I'm telling you right now. I don't know which game it is. Hopefully, I could come in here and give him an apology, too. But I know it's coming. I know the Paul George fumble is coming, where he doesn't take the last shot. He dribbles it off his leg. And when the last possession does something dumb, like, it's coming. The, the playoff P that people talk about is coming. I just don't know what game is going to come in, but he don't have Kawhi to back him up. So what happens with the Clippers? Who replaces Kawhi Leonard? You can't replace a high-level player like that. You just got to hope that Paul George can play at a really high level and Reggie Jackson can play like he did in game three. You just hope that that can happen. Reggie Jackson has to play. His, his, his production has to go up. Nicholas Baton, his production has to go up. Luke Kennard, his production has to go up. Terrence Mann. Those four guys going to have to be able to pull it together for them to get it done because... Utah has shown that they can win without Mike Conley. And they're a better team without Mike Conley because they're putting the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hand every possession. I would too the way he's shooting the ball. Every, my man got to touch it every possession. But will his body be able to handle that and being injured and having the ball every possession? It's not easy playing in the playoffs and playing long. The series is long now. We talk about game six and seven coming up. Can he handle that? Well, the one thing that's worked well for Utah is they have multiple guys that can score. They got Jordan Clarkson that can score. They got Bogdan Bajanovic who can score, who was averaging 20 a game when Donovan Mitchell was out. So those two guys going to have to bring it. They're going to have to make shots. Joe Ingles is going to have to make shots. Gobert is going to have to be a bigger force in the paint. He's going to have to be able to score now for those pick and rolls and offensive rebounds and stop hanging around a three-point line. So injuries are affecting these series. Look at KD. Look at KD. James Harden goes down. Kyrie goes down. Now you're looking at KD with a hot James, James Harden, and he got to beat the Greek freak who's playing like he's playing at an MVP level. And you got KD, and it's just like, okay, how is this going to affect the series? Well, it just woke up the Durantula. That's what it did. It woke him up. He saw Kyrie go down, and James has been sitting on the sideline. And even though he tried to play in game five, he, did, he didn't look anywhere close to himself. He was a distraction. But that same distraction got six points, four rebounds, and seven assists. So it wasn't like Bruce Brown getting zero points. He still was productive in some fashion. He still made a few plays. Because if you take those six points away, they don't win the game. If you take those seven assists away, they don't win the game. But 
You had KD out there on the island, and oh my goodness, it was like poetry in motion. It was. So all those naysayers that was talking trash about KD before the game, before game five, like, man, I don't know if KD can do it by himself now. Nah, this is how I feel when you ain't got no superstars. This is how LeBron feels when AD go down. Yeah, all right, I hear you. Triple, double me. 49, 17, 10. Say, say less? Huh? What What you say? What, what was that? What was that y'all had said about that man, Kevin Durant? Yeah, he got nappy hair. Yeah, his beard is unlined. Yup, it is. And I'm still giving you 50, even though P.J. Tucker is following him every single possession. Steve Nash had a point. He said some of it is borderline, not basketball. And I ain't going to go there. I'm not saying it's not basketball, but that man do a whole lot of grabbing. That man do a whole lot of pushing and tugging, and he made P.J. Tucker pay because he kept he got in foul trouble, and they got to switching that ball screen, and they got to thinking that uh, Pat Covington and Chris Middleton can guard the best player in the world, and they cannot. Kevin Durant is still that dude. But the thing about it is, did he do too much? Is he going to have enough in his tank for game six? And I don't think he does. I don't think Brooklyn has enough in game six, but game six is played in Milwaukee. I think game six is a wash. I don't think James Harden should play, uh, or he might play just to get some uh, some more rhythm back in his game. KD, I don't think, you know, we're not getting 50-point KD in game six. We're not. Shoot, they was just one sh one shot away. He was just one shot away from winning game four. They could have. This could have been the series winner. This could have been it because the Nets are up 3-2. And the last game that they played in Milwaukee, they won in overtime. And KD missed a shot to tie it up. They lost 103-100. to So they, the Nets got enough to beat them without James Harden and without Kyrie. They've got enough. But you got to get production out of Jeff Green. Jeff Green has 27 points in this game. You got to have production out of uh, what's-his-face that played with the Pistons. Uh, Blake Griffin, you got to get production out of him, even though he saved it for the Nets and not for the Pistons. If I was his agent, I probably would have told him to, to, to book it and, and, and uh, <laughs> stash some of that too, get you a different contract. That's exactly what he did. Uh, but KD's going to need some help, particularly in game six. If they can sneak one out and upset them and beat Milwaukee at home, you might see Bud get axed. If if the Bucks lose to the Nets without with a hobbled James Harden and with Kyrie going down, you might hear the, uh, the higher-ups in Milwaukee like, yeah, Buddy got to go. Bud must be short for Buddy and Buddy got to go. That was, You might see that happen. I don't know if it will. But I'm going to tell you like this, the Bucs got enough to win it all this year. And if they don't get out of it, whoever wins this game has, I mean, of the four teams left, I would say probably the Nets have the best chance, the best team. Uh, Phoenix is playing at a, at the highest level at the time. But the, the team that's built for it is the Milwaukee Bucks. And if they don't get out of this series, that'll be two years in a row you don't get out of the conference semifinals and get to the, at least get to the championship game, to, to the finals, to ex have that experience. You might see some changes because they got enough. They definitely got enough. We talked about um, other NBA headlines, CP3. We talked about him getting COVID, uh, but you're going to need to see more Booker. You're going to need to see more Booker, Phoenix, and I'm here for it. I want to see as much Devin Booker as possible. I want to see as much as possible and with CP3. They saying indefinitely, so I guess that means he can't play anymore. Um, unless they make the finals or something miraculously happen, um, they say he was vaccinated and everything, but just because you vaccinated don't mean you can't get COVID. 
Understand that. Like, you might not get all the symptoms as everybody else. You might not get it as bad. But just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get COVID. You can. Newsflash, everybody. I'm vaccinated. I know I still wear my mask. July 1, the governor is going to tell us we don't have to wear them anymore. But you can still catch COVID. And CP3 catches COVID. And now he got to sit down. So I want to see more Booker in that series. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this episode for y'all. A couple other things before I get y'all out of here. The NBA title was up for grabs, man. It's up for grabs. We're in game fives and game six in these series now. So who is the best two out of three? Who can win the best? Who's going to win the best two out of three? Is it going to be Donovan Mitchell? Is it going to be Giannis? Is it going to be KD? Who is it going to be? And, and I'm, I'm willing, I'll take any one of those. I really would. I mean, if we had a Utah uh, Brooklyn Nets final, I'm here for it because by then Kyrie would be healthy. By then James Harden would be a little bit better. And you've got KD playing at a high level and Phoenix playing at a high level too. Because if Utah gets by Phoenix, they would have to beat the best team in the league that's playing like the best team right now. So the NBA title was up for grabs. If I got money right now, I might put it on Phoenix because they got the best odds. I think they had plus 400, something like that for Phoenix to win the NBA championship. Yeah, i throw a couple dollars at that. Why not? I mean, one of four teams available and one of the healthiest, but without Chris Paul, I don't know. So I got to see game one with Phoenix and whoever they're going to play, whether it's the Clippers or the Jazz, because playing without Chris Paul is a huge blow to Phoenix. They came out with the NBA first, second, and third teams. Rookie of the year went to LaMelo Ball. We told you he was the number one pick, probably be rookie of the year. I know you forgot about it, but he is. LaMelo Ball, you heard it here. I told you about it. He's the rookie of the year and deservedly so. First, second, and third team. Now, there are some people that were left off these first, second, and third teams. But the league is so good right now, it's hard to pick 15 guys. They might need to add a fourth and a fifteen, to be quite honest with you, because... Or they might need to either add an honorable mention, or I don't know. But they might need to add a team because it's a lot of great players in the NBA right now. Team one was Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Luka, Kawhi, and Jokic. I'm cool with that. First team should have. I'm cool with that. That's good. My only issue would be Kawhi. Um, he missed some games during the year, but he still played over 50 games, so he qualifies. Second team, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, CP3, Embiid, and LeBron. I, that's I, I got no I got no issues there either. I mean Embiid is playing at a super high level. He played uh, the majority of the games this year. He was he missed a, a few games because of injury, but not like previous seasons. So him being second team makes sense. Julius Randle took the Knicks to the playoffs and got him a fifth seed. That's worth it enough right there. Uh, but he did average uh, twenty five and eleven on the season. So don't get it messed up like Jews didn't get it done. He got it done. And a third team. And here's where you can interject or replace some guys. Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, PG-13, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie. The three people you can't touch. You can't touch Kyrie, right? You can't touch him. He's 27 and 9 a game. 27 and 8, something like that. You can't touch Kyrie. Bradley Beal averaged 34 points a game. You can't touch Bradley Beal. And he took his team to the playoffs. You can't touch him. Uh, Rudy Gobert. You can. It's debatable. It's debatable, but you got to have some centers on these lists. And if I'm going to have two centers on this list, I mean, three centers, probably Joker, uh, Embiid, and Gobert, the best three centers in the game. I mean, you got to have Gobert on one of these lists. Uh, I mean, he impacts the game, uh, rebounding defensively, blocking shots, defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's got to be third team. The two guys that you might have an issue with, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was 27-7-7 in the Miami Heat. 
missed some time with injury. The Miami Heat was good, but they still didn't quite turn the corner in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's hard to, and they got swept. So it's just like, ah, Jimmy Butler, even though it was a regular season award, the Miami Heat wasn't like that. I think they were eighth seed and they got in. I, I don't, I just, it's hard to put uh, Jimmy Butler there. PG-13. So Paul George, he makes third-team All-NBA. He averages 23-6-5, which is, is a, which a good line. But when it comes to the third-team, I think these two positions, it came down to the, the vets versus the rookies. Did the rookies have a good year? Did the young guys have a good year? Or are the vets playing, you know, better basketball? And at this point of their career. And I think they went with the vets over the younger guys because look at Jason Tatum should be on one of these teams. But who do you take off? You can't take off anybody from the second team. You can't take off Dame or CP3. So who are you taking off on the third team? Either Butler or PG. That's one of those two. You take you take one of those two off for, for Jason Tatum. But where's Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell don't make the list. Donovan Mitchell averaged 26, 4, and 5. So he should be right there. Numbers-wise, he'd be right there. Utah was a number two seed, so a number one seed. One or two, one of them. So got one of the better teams in the NBA, like your top player. But they they picked Gobert because he's a center, and they didn't go with Donovan Mitchell. I think it should be positionless. But, I mean, I get it. I understand. But you can see how Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell should and can be on this list uh, other younger players like Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Anthony Davis ain't on the list. But hold on. Where's the Durantula? Where's Kevin Durant? Well, Kevin Durant only played 35 games. So it's hard to make an all-NBA list if you only play close to half of the season. Because I think it was 72 games. So 74 games, something like that. And he played less than half. So that's probably why he wasn't considered. Even though he's playing at the highest level that he can play at. He didn't play all the game. He missed a lot of time with injury. Same with James Harden. So those were your NBA first teams. And you had a lot of snubs. Trey Young, he don't get a sniff. But some of these guys, they're young. They, their time is going to come. I would like to see them at a fourth team because three teams ain't enough because it cost Tatum and Donovan Mitchell $33 million not being named a first team all NBA, uh, on any all-NBA teams. $33 million between the two. I think it's 16 and $17 million. It's a lot of money. For somebody to say I didn't make the team, that, that's a lot of money. So I think that's going to fuel KD. Say, you know what? I ain't on the NBA first, second, or third team. Oh, I'm going to show you who the best in the game is. I'm going to show you. And you're going to see it too. But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. I'm going to wrap this up, man, so y'all can go back and you can watch more basketball in the playoffs. You can set your fan duel. Uh, I got a fan duel tip for you. For all my people that play parlays. So I hit a parlay this week. It's going to be the last thing I talk about on this episode of the podcast. This is for my people that like sports betting. Me, I do it, but I only bet a couple dollars here and there because I like being married. So I play a lineup for $2, for $1, for $1.50, $5 max, maybe $10 if I'm feeling swaggy on the lineup. Uh, but I ain't betting $100. I ain't betting the rent. I ain't betting daycare on it. It's just a couple dollars here and there. Here's my FanDuel tip of the week. What I did was I went back on some of my previous slips that I played in the playoffs that did not win. And I played the lines that hit. So say I was five out of seven. I picked the five that hit. And then that next game, I played those five. And for the other two, I find other slips with those games. And I filled them those two players. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. It's like talking poker. The people that don't play poker, they're like, what are you talking about? 
It's the same deal with, with uh, FanDuel Sports Gambling, uh, parlays, same thing. So, so go back to your old parlays, look at what hit at those tickets that you lost with, put them on one ticket, put $3 on it, and you're welcome. But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. I'm done with this episode. I'm a holler at y'all, player. Peace. It's your coach.